The Free for All Roundtable. Brought to you by Lexus Avon, Canada's newest Lexus dealer in the Maple Auto Mall near Rutherford at Highway 400. Luxury is closer than you think. Round one. On round one, Jerry Agar live in studio, and he is going to be yours from 9 to noon today on News Talk 1010, as he is every day. Courtney Betty from Betty's Law, and Dave Trafford, host and producer of On the Ledge, the Ontario Politics Podcast. It doesn't really qualify as a debatable, but it's uh, good news to Canadian travelers. I don't know, Dave Trafford, if you, you have any thoughts on the fact that WestJet made a deal with its pilots. Good to hear, because yeah. I know a lot of people, you know, who were thinking that let's get out and get away. We were at uh, Pearson last week. We were uh, heading to uh, Halifax, and I got to tell you, based on the difference over about three months uh, experience at uh, Pearson, the uh, service was extraordinary. They were staffed up. We got through security in no time. Um, but the only thing I found was that uh, the overhead uh, capacity on the aircraft. Nobody's checking bags. So, you know, people are actually excited about getting out and traveling again. Good on the industry for, and generally for uh, sort of staffing up and making it a better experience than we've seen over the last few years. And, you know, generally, if you got the WestJet ticket, go crazy. I hope you enjoy the weekend. Okay. And Jerry, this guarantees that Nick Marano is coming back to us. <laughs> well, it's unfortunate <laughs> for him, isn't it? I uh, could have extended his vacation and had an excuse. This must have hurt WestJet to some degree, though, because with the uncertainty in the air, no pun intended there, um, I was booking a flight for uh, something I'm going to do in June, and I, I, I'm fine with WestJet normally, but I did not book on WestJet because I had no idea what was going to be happening. Yeah, and Courtney, that's every reason why WestJet had this urgent need to settle. The worst thing that can happen is the uncertainty that has people saying, fine, I'm not going to buy a ticket. Yeah, and, and right now within the the travel sector, we actually do need an entity like WestJet that's able to at least provide some competitive pricing because uh, you know the the cost of flying out of Canada versus, for example, flying out of the United States is just such a such a big difference. So um, let's enjoy a little music, shall we, at Brad Bradford's expense. Um, in the most recent leaders' debate, mayor's debate, he talked about how his best friend lives in his basement, and now that's been turned into a song. There are cranes in the sky and the money's flowing, so please don't ask me why. Holes in the basement. I've got a developer wife, and we're doing well. And Paul? Hey, that's life. Paul's in the basement. Paul's in the basement. You might think it's weird to be okay. your best friend. Jerry, they say there's no such thing as bad publicity, but uh, what, how do you think this is playing for Brad Bradford? Uh, it doesn't bother me. Yeah. Paul's helping. Uh, Paul is getting help from his friend. Paul's got some troubles, and, and he can live in Brad Bradford's basement. Is he supposed to live there for free? What exactly is it these people are trying to mock? Well, that's the thing. I mean, Dave, you're the political guy. Um, it, I know it sounded strangely earnest when Brad Bradford said it, but the people who are making sport of this, I'm not quite sure where the humor comes from. Sorry, I'm sorry, but he is the, the, the housing czar in Toronto, and his answer to affordable housing is to rent out his basement to his best friend, and that's as much as he has done as the councillor in, in charge of housing at City Hall. One. Two, the other thing is, if the guy who was so social media savvy didn't think that that was memeable content, then he does not understand how this goes. And to com comment and say, well, that was kind of mean, because somebody else used his 
social media content and turn it into something else, just like he did with the TikTok videos. Listen, (laughs) I agree with Deb. Whoever's running this campaign, and there are a lot of big brains behind it, aren't thinking this through. Yeah, Yeah, no good deed goes unpunished, I guess. Courtney Betting? Well, it's not about the good <laughs> well, deed. It's I, about, the, it's about I mean, the optics and the politics of it, Jerry. There is the, I mean, there's both sides of it, and I, and I do agree. But the issue for me is affordable housing. What is the plan? Who's bringing forward that plan? Um, the other part of it in terms of, you know, his friend being his basement, I think that's humorous. But at the end of the day, he needs a plan for affordable housing for this city. Okay, so perhaps this is a segue. Uh, apparently, younger people are more likely to believe in hell. Um, Courtney, Betty, this is an interesting revelation, I find, that uh, the older you get, the less likely it is you're going to believe in hell. And even though young people are not particularly religious, they believe that there's a hell. I, I guess it all depends on who's sitting next to you at a restaurant. It, it really all depends, but uh, that says a lot, I guess, as you get closer to that time that you really should be thinking about it, then, of course, everyone wants to believe in heaven. But uh, it, it is a surprise survey, John. Okay. Jerry, do you well, believe in hell? There's Yes. If there's, uh, well, I believe, you know, I'm, uh, I, I believe in the greater concept of Christianity, so to speak. And um, if you believe in heaven, I guess you're going to believe in hell um, and uh, the yin and the yang, so to speak. But if it's something that would cause young people to think twice about their actions, maybe that's a good thing. Okay. Dave Trafford? Well, I'm not sure we want to get into the discussion as to why we need the devil, but the, the, the idea we that... We needed him. Well, uh, th- 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 there's an offset there. That's a, that's a balance in, in, in the way things worked out. But I don't want to get into that. The whole point here is, though, I think it's a matter of perspective. I think it's interesting that the younger demographic actually sees that there is consequences in their behavior. That, in fact, if they, you know, if, if, the, if they're, you know, e- evil, we'll say, that somehow there's going to be a long, longer-term consequence after the fact. And that we, who are the elders in the group, are looking at it and say, hey, everything's great here. I'm just going to cruise in through the pearly gates and I'll be fine. Um, and we see less the consequence. And so, we, you know, we can point to things like climate change or however we want to look at how we're treating our planet and the people around us. Um, if this speaks to a, a generation that's going to be kinder and better to the rest of us and the rest of the world, then I think it's not a bad thing. You know what would be interesting? And even if you don't believe in um, religion, you don't believe in God, just as a theoretical exercise for any of us to say, if God exists, and if you were to show up at the pearly gates and how to make a case for yourself could you yeah i mean it's just yeah, an question. interesting philosophical <laughs> exercise for your long weekend well i've always found it and not to get too deep into the discussion but i've always found it mildly offensive that if you were a serial killer but you confessed five minutes before you died and and made your peace that you're off to heaven mm-hmm. so okay okay well, what would you prefer um, keep going to hell. You like the concept of brimstone in the fire, don't you? <laughs> I do. It's okay. Old Testament, this guy. Yeah, and hell is going to be like the Hotel California, baby. You can check out, but you can never leave. <laughs> okay, so a uh, new report assesses the mental health of uh, young Canadian professionals and finds it wanting. 25% of all Canadians reported having symptoms of a mental health disorder in 2021. And uh, Dave Trafford, I'll start with you on this one. Perhaps not surprising. I mean, you know, I think COVID did a number on everybody, and also work is tough, and you got to live in Brad Bradford's basement. 
Yeah, and and I think you know when you look at the that demographic, that eighteen thirty four year old, and I was talking to John Wright about this a while ago, and the idea that where he has taken sort of the pulse across the country in terms of what's of concern, and when you look at your financial assessment, you look at the economic outlook for the country, that demo is very much more pessimistic than the than the rest of us. And there's two things I think that come into play here. One is the pandemic. But the other one is many of them lived through the financial crisis of 08, 09, and they saw how their parents were treated in terms of, you know, losing jobs and no loyalty to the company. and They just got blown out and for whatever reasons. So there's that level of despair that's baked in almost to that demographic and the way they have been brought up. I think this probably is a bigger problem than we than we think. Um, Mark Hennick, he is the uh, mental health advocate. He he talks about this as being more more serious than the COVID pandemic. That we're going to see a mental health pandemic uh, over the next number of years. Okay, Courtney Betty, I think part of this is what I call the velvet rope syndrome, which is that the boomers had a really grand time, and then they started withdrawing all of the benefits to getting into the job market and to being young, and now people are up against the wall. Well, John, there's, there's, it's interesting that there's also this level of pressure on young people that, you know, the competitiveness of everything that they do right now is just so different. The, the work schedule, they've got to be working 10, 12 hours a day. So, you know, there's all of these elements. And we talked about, you know, young professionals, but there's also in marginalized communities, we're seeing this, these high rates of suicide among young people. So it is really, you know, a, a, a crisis. And I'm hoping that we begin to look at solutions for mental health and young people in general. Jerry? So I think there are two sides to this. The upside is that we are more apt to recognize mental health, mental health crisis, do something about it, help people. More corporations have uh, programs to help people when they have issues. But the other side of this that I see is, uh, you know, the boomers knew that they didn't go to work for hugs and puppies, okay? Like the the, uh, work is difficult and life is difficult. And sometimes you got to get up in the morning and put on your big boy pants and suck it up. And we've got people now who just don't want to do that that everything is supposed to fall easily to them. And if it doesn't, then they've got to weep and point at somebody else because it's their fault. The chairman or the governor of the Bank of Canada says Canadians should get used to interest rates where they are. Jerry, I'll start with you on this one. Yeah, because this is normal. I I don't know where people got the idea that we were going to forever have no interest rates. Well, yeah, we practically had no interest rates, right? That's That's how low it was. And so maybe the pendulum is coming back a little bit to where it needs to be. I hope it doesn't go back to where it was, though, in the past, where you had, you know, double digit uh, interest rates, that kind of thing. It was ridiculous at some point. Uh, By the way, it wasn't as easy to buy a house years and years ago uh, as some people want to believe that it was, uh, as if, you know, it was all candy and Archie comics for the boomers, which is all I hear all the time, uh, because they had an interest rate of 25% or whatever on their house. Courtney, Betty, the reaction to what the governor of the Bank of Canada said strikes me as odd, because it's almost like, I, I was reflecting on this as I was listening to reports on my way in this morning. It's like, wow, somebody turned the thermostat up and it's getting hot in here. Yeah, that's what happens. Well, you know, and that the biggest problem right now, John, is not that we may not get back to those low rates. The biggest problem right now is the individuals that are caught in this situation where they've now seen these increase in rates. And, you know, what is the what what are we going to do for those individuals who potentially 
could lose their homes, etc., because of the situation they're caught in. That, to me, is really, is really the, where the challenge is. There's many of us that are going to be able to adjust, but what about all those other individuals that are not? Well, you know, years ago here on this very radio station, I would say things like, what are you going to do when the interest rates go up? <laughs> like, that would never happen. Yeah. Okay, well, guess what? And Dave, I can be accused of being a big old meanie, and I get it. I've got a stable job and a good income. But when I bought into real estate, I started in 2001, I always prepared for higher interest rates. Sure, but I think the bigger picture here, it almost goes back to the to the last story we talked about in mental health and, and in, the, in the young adults, in the way this is sort of unfolding. There are three things, I think. I, we talked to Major General uh, David Fraser earlier in the week on another story, and he is predicting that the war in Ukraine is going to be the bloodiest we've seen in the next 12 months. Mm. So Ukraine is going to preoccupy things. That's going to have an effect, and you were just talking to Dan McTague on, on gas and on prices and everything else. So the inflation pressures are going to continue. And, and we're seeing uh, housing costs uh, increase, the pricing of housing getting back to what we're calling normal. But under the circumstances with higher interest, this is creating a huger pressure. And south of the border, if, if they don't deal with the debt ceiling, we're into a huge recession, not just a mild recession. So all of this kind of snowballing uh, as we head into the optimism of a long weekend in this part of the world um, creates some real challenges around the whole thing. So you know what? Six percent or even five percent might look like a good deal uh, further down the road. Thank you all. Good to have you. Courtney Betty from Betty's Law. Jerry Agar, who will be back 45 minutes from now to let us know what he's got in store for you today on the Jerry Agar Show. And Dave Trafford. If you like Dave Trafford, you can check out On the Ledge, his podcast. And actually, it's just one of a whole myriad of podcasts that uh, Dave is producing these days. 